Welcome to The Coaching Podcast, coach for success in sport and business. Justin Tippett, welcome to The Coaching Podcast. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Um, pleasure to have you. Uh, we've known each other for a few years now and uh, done, a, done a fair bit of um, work together, but uh, so it's great to finally get you on the podcast. Uh, and just to let everyone know, so you're a uh, business consultant uh, with your own company, uh, CX Group Australia. You're the founder and, and director. Tell us a bit about uh, CX Group Australia. Uh, yeah, thanks, Simon. Yeah, we do go way back, both uh, North Melbourne tragic supporters. So uh, <laughs> uh, that's a lifelong ambition that we've both got, right? We'll see. We'll see a premiership one day. Uh, one but, day. Uh, one one day. day, right? Not too soon. Um, look, CX Group Australia, look, we do a few different things, but all really around the contact centre industry and customer experience. So that's sort of where I've cut my teeth for about 30 years and uh, uh, went out on my own about sort of, oh, God, about five, six years ago. So there's a few different areas of CX Group Australia but predominantly around consulting. So we provide consulting advice to businesses on, on customer experience and call centre. Um, you know, a lot of people sort of don't know much about call centres, so we specialise yep. there. We also do an online training business, which is CX Skills. So we actually provide a lot of training around, you know, customer service, handling difficult customers, et cetera. And then there's a few other parts that are a bit more B2B uh, involved. We sort of help people find suppliers that uh, meet their requirements. So, yeah, lots of different angles. And probably the biggest one I should mention is we run CX Central. It's literally the the largest site in Australia now for people that work in the call centre and business processing outsourcing industry. So it's literally just hundreds of free articles and resources, et cetera. Some of them, which you've written, Simon. So uh, <laughs> uh, so some great resources on there. Uh, and I believe some of your trainers are fantastic uh, on, on your uh, Seek Skills uh, website. Also like, very, like yours truly. <laughs> very true, Simon. So uh, yes, you do run a couple of courses with us. And that's the beauty of CX Skills. You know, we, we, we just bring in experts who are great at what they do to run the training courses. So obviously with yourself with a really strong background in, in call centres and customer service, you know, you run a few of those programs for us and we've got other trainers literally from all over the world that run, you know, different courses. So it's, uh, yeah, it's nice. And I only founded CX Skills about literally just before COVID hit and uh, and yeah. initially it wasn't planning on it being an online training business, but <laughs> uh, hey, here we are. And now all our courses are, are done online, mostly uh, via Zoom. Yep, fantastic. Um, and just for our audience, like to Justin, you're you've, you're an absolute uh, legend in the in the Australian context and industry. And uh, um, yeah, I think your your CX Central website and and you personally, obviously, have provided significant value to to promoting and growing the industry and and supporting and in particular coaching. Um, I suppose managers and those that uh, do need assistance um, to figure out, you know what to do and how to how to be great at, uh, at, at I suppose managing their service sales operations um, so your role as a coach in your consultancy business tell us a bit about a bit about that yeah I mean we offer a range of different services I guess with our consulting business but predominantly what we end up doing is sort of health checks where we go in and and actually look at a company and just give them some advice steer them in the right direction if you like around what is best practice where they where they sort of stand against a few of those items and and then give them a roadmap on how to actually get to best practice so yeah. and often a big part of that that uh, we we see is it always boils down to the people side of things um, you know contact centers in particular um, you know are obviously full of people <laughs> working yeah. on the phones and at the moment they're working from home predominantly but um you know it's very much a people management business mm -hmm. so we often find that a lot of the challenges uh that are faced in the call center aren't necessarily technology based they're people based yeah and i found working with you and um just you know the catch-ups that we have and 
just monitoring your career over many, many years, it's, you know, from my perspective, you bring a great blend of that marrying the technology uh, and, the, and the people side of it and really using technology to deliver, say, great experiences and, and how to leverage that properly. Because, of course, there's, you know, like everything, it's, it always comes down to a people issue, doesn't it, um, when things are not implemented well. And I see that as your particular strength. Is that a good representation of what you do? Yeah, um, yeah, I guess so. Thanks. Um, I mean, look, I look obviously now with call centres. We now call them contact centres for anyone who's listening, yeah. wondering what the difference is. Um, call centres is, I guess, what we did originally because all we did was calls. They're now contact centres because we handle a whole bunch of multi-channel, uh, you know, communication. So things like SMS, emails, live chat, etc., all typically handled by the contact centre. Um, and you're right, a big background of getting that right now is technology. Um, but at the end of the day, we've still got people that are actually the ones dealing with customers. Yeah. Uh, correct. And and the customers that we're dealing with are also people. So, yeah, it does form a big part. And getting both working, the synergies right between the two is, is where often the challenges lie. Yeah. And we're just so many get it wrong. I mean, you're a customer, I'm a customer. You know, we have our experiences. And when we're in the industry um, like we are, you tend to be more attuned to when it goes bad as well. And, you know, there's so many companies that just still struggle with it. Um, and then deliver the experience is hard as a customer, isn't it? But certainly when you're using, you know, the different channels, as, as you said. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's you're right. I think we are a bit more attuned to it. But um, I also think, you know, as a society, our expectations have, have increased because mm. when you get a taste of a good customer experience, that becomes the new benchmark for you. And yeah. so, you know, if you think of a great experience, you know, some people go, oh, you know, when I walk into an Apple store, you know, I know what I'm going to get. There's all mm. these people in lots of T-shirts and they'll all come up and help me and they're really friendly and, you know, et cetera. But you know what you're going to expect. So then every retail store you go into, you expect that. Yes. And it's also a little bit like... Um, yeah, that's right. And you think of Uber. I mean, how much does that change all our experiences now? You know, I can ring up and order, a, you know, whatever meal it is, and I can literally sort of watch it coming from, you know, where it's made literally right to my doorstep. And yet when I, you know, buy a parcel, for example, I'm, at best I get a scan if it's left a building somewhere. Uh, and I go, well, hang on, why is it I can track a bloody pizza that costs me yeah. 10 bucks <laughs> and I can buy something worth hundreds of dollars and you still can't tell me where it is. So, you know, I do think our expectations have increased and therefore we, yeah, we, we do find ourselves being let down now more often than not, unfortunately. So it's Amazon, Uber, Apple, it's all their fault, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They've raised the bar and now, now we're, that's what we expect, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Uber, I was, as soon as you said that, my thought went to just taxis um, and how suddenly the, the dodgy taxi driver experience uh, is is even, you know, manifests itself even worse for us, doesn't it, because of the, the good experiences we often have in in, in Uber and obviously you and I both do a fair bit of travel for work. So, you know, we tend to tend to be aware of that and have noticed that change over the years. So absolutely. Yep. All right. So let's get into the the questions that uh, I love to ask uh, all our guests. Okay. Um, and the and the biggest question of all is how we start every uh, every interview. And that is Pineapple on pizza, Justin. Love oh, it or hate it? Mate, love it. My, my favourite pizza, I must admit, I don't eat a lot of pizza, but my favourite pizza, I've been having it forever, is Hawaiian with prawns. <laughs> Very unusual combination. Most people look at me and go, Brilliant. what? Um, but, yeah, definitely pineapple for sure. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm right there with you, so uh, great to hear. As a result of uh, answering that in the affirmative, um, I'll ask you, what has been your best coaching experience? Uh, as a coach or even coaching? Um, oh, look, I think ultimately it's probably up for others 
that you talked to and tell me about my coaching experience. But I guess I'd like to relay one for my listeners that happened to me um, because it really did change my whole life, to be honest. Okay. And I know, you know, we talk about sliding doors. And for me, I, I fell into a call center job. And, you know, I don't think anyone ever grows up, Simon, saying, you know, when I grow up, I want to work in a call center, right? <laughs> Said no one ever. Um, but, you know, uh, here I am 30 yes. years later. It's been a great industry for me. And my very first taste was, um, was just I went into a, a little call center was literally five seats it was a concept call center for australia post um, way back before they even had call centers and i had a lady by the name of liz burke who um you know was literally my, my manager at the time in a very very small team and you had this sort of young kid who really had no idea what i wanted to do with my life and and um you know the processes and stuff that she put in place and the way she coached me just showed me what was possible both for myself mm. uh, and also, I guess, for, for everyone else in the team. And and I look back then and I go, wow, she really did change my life. And um, because, you know, she gave me structure, I guess, was something I'd never had in a career before. And she sort of said, you know, here's how we're going to measure your performance and here, I'm going to help you actually achieve. And when you achieve, this is what we're going to do and how we're going to celebrate it. And so I was sort of given wow. a, a baseline going, this is what you got to do. And when I got there and she helped me all the way, she'd coach and it was never seen as an adversary sort of situation when she was coaching me. A lot of people go, could yeah. think of nothing worse than having their team leader sort of sitting next to them on the phone. Yeah. I saw it as an opportunity that she was there to help me. And yeah. I think she, that's because she, she put that culture in right from day one. Her job was to help me succeed. And, and so when I started to get some success and I got the most sales or whatever for the month, she was the first person there to celebrate. And she'd then go and make sure she'd help me build my network and invite all the other senior managers from Australia Post to come down and visit the little call center as a concept and and say here's Justin he was our best agent and sort of really pumped me up and and it just gave me a taste of wow what a, a great leader to to yeah. believe in me uh and then to, for me I guess to get that self-belief and go wow this is really exciting what can I do for a career so to me that that had a huge different uh, sorry a huge impact uh, on my on my corporate life and one that I've never forgotten and I think when you think of experiences in your own life you often go well which are the coaches that you remember which are the managers that you remember mm -hmm. and they are you know normally those ones that made the biggest impact for the right reasons yeah Fantastic story um, and experience you've conveyed there, Justin. It's um, so much to unpack <laughs> in, in what you've said uh, around just the the essence of a great coach and in terms of you know, structure, management of expectations. I always love to, you know, I'm going to ask you shortly about your top three attributes uh, for a great coach. One of mine that I like to um, use is imagination, that ability to conceive of a, a future state Yep. Uh, in, in their mind as the coach that you possibly can't yet. Uh, and for me, that's what I was taking away with what you were saying in terms of the essence of what she was able to do for you. And But then the celebration, you know, the, the joining in the success and making sure that that is, that, that talk about recognition and reward, it doesn't have to be formal programs. It's just gestures. It's, yep. it's moments. Uh, and, um, and it's funny, I touched on the North Melbourne thing, but there's this funny story with Liz because this was back when it literally it was 19, I think it was 96 or 99 when we won the premiership. So yeah. as you could remember, it was a long yes. time ago, but I was literally working at the call centre and we used to have the radio on. 
And I remember hearing, I, I wasn't a member back then, and I just remember hearing on the radio, This is we used to work out of the GPO in the city, so dead smack in the middle yeah. of the city. And uh, something came on where they just released another 5,000 tickets to the grand final, and North were in the grand final. I literally heard that, dropped my headset and bolted out the door <laughs> to go down to Ticketek to, to get my tickets. Now, I didn't ask for permission. I literally just bolted. Now, I could have gotten a lot of trouble for that. And <laughs> But, you know, again, Liz knew how passionate I was about football. Risk-reward. That's risk exactly reward. right, you know. And, uh, you know, so I sort of look back now and sort of a bit of a laugh at it. But I go, you know what, that could have gone, if you had the wrong manager, that, that could have also gone in a very yes. different direction, you know. But, again, I had the results on the board. She backed me. She did sort of say, did you, hey, did you get the tickets? Great, fantastic. <laughs> so I did get to go and see North in the premiership. But, you know, then. There was there was the nice subtle chat going, mate. You, you know you can't just run out of a workplace <laughs> whenever you want. Uh, I know why you did it, but you sort of go, okay. But she did it in the right way. You know, she didn't yeah, do yeah. it publicly in front of everyone, and you know, she waited until we had our next chat, so she didn't sort of make a big deal out of it. But you know, it's like, yeah, point noted. You know, a bit of maturity for me. I was a young kid, and you know, just yeah. thought, hey, I don't care. I'm off to get those tickets. Um, so yeah, so again, so make great attributes. From- and and personally, I mean, I've been in the industry probably a couple of years, 93 I started. So, yeah, getting close to, to 30 years. Um, everything you were saying there about Liz, um, that was my experience as well. I think the reason I still do what I do is because I was lucky enough. My first four managers in my career, yep. whether it be the team leader and then call centre manager, were all great coaches and mentors in their own right. And I think I was lucky because so many people don't get that at a that's very right. cru- crucial stage. Yep. Um, and for me, that's why I do what I do in terms of coaching um, because of, yeah, as you know, having the, the, its power is is life-changing. Yeah, look, it can be. And I think one of the things for, for the listeners, again, that aren't necessarily from the contact centre industry background, probably not surprising, though, is we have very high turnover. Yeah. So the, the average turnover is about 40% in a contact centre, which is obviously significant. So you're always recruiting and there's always training and high turnover. And and often the people that get the team leader roles are just the people that have hung around the longest um, <laughs> or they're the top performing agents. And it's not, not, normally the latter. And they say, you know, oh, God, we've got a team leader who's moving on, doing something different. We'll give someone an opportunity. Who's our best agent? And we'll throw them into this leadership role. Mm. And, of course, we throw them in. They're great at selling or customer service, but we haven't taught them how to, how to coach, how to lead, how to do all yes. those sorts of things. <laughs> and, and then we sort of wonder why, you know, we don't get great team leaders sometimes. So yeah. you're right. I mean, it's fantastic you had a great experience with the four, you know, for your first four. Um, and I had a great experience, you know, for my first one as well. And But I think, unfortunately, in our industry, you know, it's not always the case. You know, we do get the great agents that aren't necessarily great leaders and it, therefore mm. it's a very different outcome. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So you've talked about your best experience and you've also jumped the gun in terms of a key question there about sliding doors and you've combined both of those together. Uh, so what about poor experiences that you've had, either, either coaching yourself, the worst experience that you can recall, or again, as a recipient? Um, oh, geez. <laughs> it's sad <laughs> when you can think of so many. So which one do I want to choose from, right? Um, <laughs> we and, just need one. Just yeah, one. that's right. And I think, you know, like, I mean, that's the thing with coaching with, and the thing with life. You always learn. And I, and I look mm. back to when I was first thrown into that team leader role, you know, when I got my opportunity and I was lucky I had a great experience with Liz. But, you know, when you're thrown in again, I probably didn't have the skills. And I think one of my failures when I look back now was just, 
you know, I had a really high work ethic. I'd work lots of hours, you know, I was the top performing agent. And so I just expected everyone else was going to be the same and yeah, that right. most people aren't just going to treat it as a job and come in and do what they have the minimum mm. they have to do and then go. And mm. so I used to get, you know, pretty frustrated. And, and I think, you know, we look at the, the word empathy it was probably something I really lacked early in my career because I just, you know, as I said, I thought everyone was just cut from the same cloth and, mm. and you don't sort of appreciate the differences. So I think, yep. yeah, that, that was a big learning for me. Um, mm. and, I, and I remember one guy, um, you know, I don't know if it's a good or a bad one, but we had a guy, and we've probably all faced this scenario maybe at some point in our career, who had really bad BO. Um, and <laughs> and he was an older guy. I was a young kid in my first leading role, and I had about five staff all complain saying, I can't oh, sit no. next to this guy. He just stinks, you know. And yeah. I was like, and I'm like, probably oh. the worst case scenario as a, co- was, as a, as a manager. Petrified. That <laughs> I didn't know what to do. You know, I was like, oh my God, how do I handle this situation? And, and, um, you know, I asked a couple of people what they would do and I got very different responses and I thought, oh, my God, what are you doing? And look, in the end, I just took him aside and I, and I just said, look, I noticed. I took, sort of took ownership myself and just said, look, yeah, I yeah. geez, mate, you're um, just don't know if anyone's sort of, you know, mentioned this, but I just, you know, a bit of a whiff here, mate. And uh, I get it, though. I go to gym at lunchtime and sometimes I come back and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And and so, you know, hopefully took the sting out of it a little bit for him. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and we never had to have that conversation today. He, you know, he came in the next, again, sorry, he came in the next day and, you you know, clearly applied some deodorant. Everyone was happy, but <laughs> God, I was just terrified. And I think that's sometimes oh, the challenge yeah. with coaching, isn't it? You, you just don't know what to do. Sometimes there is no textbook. Um, mm. Maybe we're a bit luckier today because we can listen to great podcasts like yours, Simon, no. or, um, <laughs> or, or look online <laughs> and try and see what other people have done. But um, you know, it doesn't always give the answers, as you know. I'm just going to make a note for myself in, in the promo for this <laughs> video to mention. <laughs> and don't don't uh, forget to uh, listen to the bo. Uh, look it's yeah i mean i had a situation of having to deal with uh someone who just was dressed inappropriately uh and a female to boot and have that conversation yep. um and uh yeah it was it was difficult uh but that's for another time but uh yeah that's that's yeah it's it's a great great example because it's those things are often overlooked those situational things that just pop up that don't have anything to do with customers, performance, yep, the yep. business. It's that's a right. It's personal, personal stuff, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They're often the trickiest ones, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, we've talked about the sliding doors. Um, so we'll move on. What would you say are the top three traits or behaviours that in would uh, you consider makes a great coach? Yeah, uh, look, I think number one for me is probably integrity. Um, you know, I think you want someone that you can trust and who puts their trust in you as well. And and I think, you know, integrity also comes with a whole bunch of other things like honesty. I think if you're going to be a coach, you know, and you're coaching someone and helping them improve, you can't sugarcoat things because they're not going to learn and grow. So I think you've got to be honest. And I think the way you deliver yep. that honesty is important, clearly. Um, so your integrity probably be, you know, right up there for me. Yep. Um, another one, probably energy or passion, you know, depending on the words you want to use. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we all feed off other people's energy. And I think if I had a coach, that was just very flat and as you've gone through the motions, you know, it's yeah. not really going to inspire me to want to sort of be better and do more. So, yeah, that would be important. 
And I think the maybe the final one for me, I'd probably say just knowledge, Simon, and that maybe is more mm. a personal thing, but I, I, mean, I always like to learn. And it doesn't mean that a coach has to necessarily be an expert at what it is that they're doing. But I think that some knowledge and sharing that knowledge and wisdom, I think, you know, mm. just helps the, the relationship. And, you know, ultimately when you're coaching someone, you're there for a reason. It's normally because you've got some experience. And I think, you know, when people actually impart that, I think is, is really important. So they'd be my top three. Brilliant. Integrity, energy, and knowledge. Absolutely love it. Um, so, Justin, we're getting to the end now. Any tips or suggestions, and you've already given quite a few, I think, through this interview, but from your your experience that you would recommend that uh, all coaches should consider? Jeez. Uh, look, I'd probably just go back to the number one point for me around integrity. I think yeah. being honest with people is probably the, the most important thing you can do. And it's not always the easiest thing to do. No. You know, as you said, it's really tough if it's talking about someone with BO, if it's talking to someone about, you know, their dress, or clearly yeah. if it's talking about performance, it's not up to standard. I think you've got to be honest with people because if you're not, you're going to get found out at some point anyway. And I think people respect those honest conversations. Mm. So that'd probably be my, yeah, my number one uh, bit of advice. Yeah. So don't dance around it honesty but with empathy that's right one of your you know things you mentioned earlier i think that's a good combination isn't it absolutely you know and being empathetic is absolutely critical you can't just be you know brutal and destroy people i think that's not going to win you any favor so yeah you're right if i had a fourth if you'd give me a fourth i would have said you know empathy because you're right Um, you have to be honest but you have to do it in 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 a right way yeah brilliant uh justin fantastic thank you so much uh you delivered some pearls of wisdom and some great insights and experiences uh, and uh, very appreciative of your time and uh, contribution today. And um, I think it's going to be great for our audience to listen to. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the coaching podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's an honor to be on your podcast, Simon. So thank you, man. (laughs) The coaching podcast was brought to you by Emma Doyle and Simon Blair. Emma Doyle is a global speaker and performance coach helping unleash human potential. Her website is emmadoyle.com.au. And I'm Simon Blair, trainer, assessor and coach of sales and customer service skills with my own company, 5 Degrees. Connect with me on LinkedIn or email me at simon.blair at 5degrees, that's F-I-V-E-D-E-G-R-E-E-S dot com.au.